Welcome everyone to the Live from the Code Bar, recorded from the Code Theme Bar of Fenwood Manor. I'm your guide on this adventure, Rob. On this show, I'm going to talk a little bit about the mysterious sculpture Cryptos that stands outside the CIA headquarters building in Langley, Virginia. The sculpture done by artist Jim Sanborn has four encrypted messages, which as of now only three have ever been decoded. There's one other problem with this sculpture. Because it's on CIA property, very few people, outside of the intelligence community that is, are able to view it. But first, I want to start with some usual housekeeping. I want to give a great big thank you to every one of you who have downloaded and listened so far. I started this podcast to talk to you all about a hobby I love, and I know that there are others out there who are listening to me and share this uh, hobby is really amazing. I also want to give a big thank you and shout out to the usuals, Nick Spira, Robert Brewer, Stephen Jenner, Dustin and Deidre White, and my treasure hunting team, First Right, who created the art, the music, and edited the show, helped promote the show, and are awesome treasure hunters all around. There are so many other people I could mention, but that would be a whole different podcast, like I said before, all on its own. So for now, check out our Facebook and Twitter Instagram pages for more shoutouts. Now, on to the story. The year is 1989. The Berlin Wall was just beginning to fall. And American artist Jim Sanborn had already started work on his crypto sculpture. Cryptos is often described as a cryptographic as a cryptographic puzzle wrapped in a riddle that Sanborn created for the CIA's new headquarters building, and he has been driving amateur and professional cryptographers mad ever since its dedication on November 3, 1990. The main section of Cryptos has four messages. The first three, as I mentioned, have already been solved while the fourth message remains one of the most famous unsolved codes in the world today. The main part of the sculpture, and I will explain more about this in a moment, is located in the northwest corner of the new headquarters building courtyard, just outside of the agency's cafeteria. The sculpture comprises four large copper plates with other elements consisting of water, wood, plants, red and green granite, white quartz, and petrified wood. The most prominent feature is a large vertical S-shaped copper screen that resembles a scroll or a piece of paper emerging from a computer printout, half of which consists of the encrypted text. The characters in the encrypted text are all found within the 26 letters of the Latin alphabet. There is also several, several question marks, and they are all cut out of the copper plates. In addition to the main part of the sculpture, Sanborn also placed other pieces of art on the CIA grounds, such as several large granite slabs with sandwich copper sheets outside the entrance to the new headquarters building. Several Morse code messages are found on these copper sheets, and one of the stone slabs has an engraving of a compass rose pointing to a lodestone. Other elements of Sanborn's installation include a landscape garden area, a fish pond with opposing wooden benches, a reflecting pool, and other pieces of stone, including a triangle-shaped black stone slab. Now, the name Kryptos comes from the ancient Greek word for hidden, and the theme of the sculpture is intelligence gathering. The cost of the sculpture in 1988 was 250,000 US dollars, which if you were to put that into 2016 dollars is about $501,000. So let's start with the encrypted messages. The ciphertext on the left-hand side of the sculpture, as seen from the courtyard of the main sculpture contains 869 characters in total, 865 letters and four question marks. However, in April 2006, Sanborn released information stating that a letter was omitted from this side of Kryptos for, the, for aesthetics reasons to keep the sculpture visually balanced, he said. Well, we, 
you'll see what that means. It's, I, I think that was just more of an excuse. There are also three misspelled words in the plain text of the deciphered first three passages, which Sanborn has also said were interna- intentional. But others obviously dispute this. And three letters, Y, A, R, near the beginning of the bottom half of the left side, are only characters on the sculpture in superscript. The right-hand side of the sculpture comprises of a key Visioneer encryption tableau, consisting of 867 letters. One of the lines of the Visioneer tableau has an extra character, the letter L. Craig Bauer, Gregory Link, and Dante Mole in 2016 wrote in an article called James Sanborn's Cryptos and the Matrix Encryption Conjecture for the Cryptologia magazine suggests that this may be a reference to the Hill Cipher as an encryption method for the fourth passage of the sculpture. However, Sanborn admitted the extra letter from the small Cryptos models that he sold, so it must not have been considered important. Sanborn worked with a retiring CIA employee named Ed Shiate, chairman of the CIA's Office for Communications, to come up with the cryptographic system used on the sculpture. However, he is giving conflicting information about the sculpture's answer, saying at one time that he gave the complete solution to the then-CIA director, William Webster, during the dedication ceremony. But later, he also said that he had not given Webster the entire solution. He did, however, confirm that a passage of the plain text on the second message reads, Who knows the exact location? Only W.W. William Webster. So let's talk about who broke this and obviously how it was done. So the first person to announce publicly that they had solved the first three passages was Jim Gulogi, a computer scientist from the Southern California, who deciphered these passages using a computer, and then he revealed his solutions in 1999. Now Jim was the first to publicly announce a solution for the first three parts, which he completed, like I said, in 1999. However, not long afterwards, the CIA, who could not be outdone in their own backyard, announced that one of its own analysts, David Stein, had also solved those first three puzzles, but he'd done so a year prior with nothing more than a pencil and paper and, of course, some CIA brains. Two years after Stein's solution was announced, the NSA, who had just had to compete with the other intelligence communities, claimed that it had a team that solved parts one through three all the way back in 1992 but kept it quiet. In 2013, in response to a Freedom of Information Act request by Ilanka Duncan, Dunnan, the NSA released documents which show that the NSA became involved in attempts to solve the cryptos puzzle in 1992 following a challenge by Bill Studman, then Deputy Director for the CIA. The documents also show that by June 1993, a small group of NSA cryptanalysts had succeeded in solving the first three passages of the sculpture proving that they were, in fact, the first to solve the first three sections. Still, though, no one has cracked part four. Let's talk a little bit more about the actual codes and what they say. To solve the first two passages, codebreakers used the Visioneer cipher, which I'll go into a little bit more depth on a later show. It's a pretty cool little cipher. But in simple terms, it's what cryptologists call a polyalphabetic substitution cipher system. It means multiple alphabets are used to encrypt one message. Created in the 16th century by cryptographer Giovanni Battista Bellosa, the system was easy to create but excruciatingly hard to crack. It wasn't until nearly 300 years later that a veneer cipher was first solved, leading the French to call it La Chiflet Indecipherable, sorry about my French accent, or the Indecipherable Cipher. 
Today, people just today, people mostly just use computers to crack these codes. All of the attempts to solve cryptos had found that the passage two ended with W E S T I D B Y R O W S. In 2005, Dr. Nicole Friedrich, a logician from Vancouver, Canada, determined that another possible plain text was West Player 2. Dr. Friedrich solved the ending to section K2 from a clue that became apparent after she had determined a running cipher of K4 that resulted in an incomplete but partially legible K4 plain text involving involving text such as XPIST, Realize, A-Y-D-E-Q-H-R, and others. But the find that instigated her discovery of K2 plaintext was the clue W-E-S-T-X. Now, on April 19, 2006, Sanborn contacted an online community dedicated to the cryptos puzzle to inform them that that was once again the accepted solution to puzzle 2 was incorrect. Sanborn said that he made an error in the sculpture by omitting an S in the ciphertext, an X in the plaintext, and he confirmed that the last passage of the plaintext was indeed West X Layer 2, and not the West ID by Rose. So let's break it down a little bit further for you. Solution 1 of Passage 1. The method used was a visioneer cipher. The keywords were cryptos and palamset. This is what it says in plaintext. Between subtle shading and the absence of light lies the nuance of inclusion. Now, inclusion was an intentional misspelling of illusion. So it was I-Q-L-U-S-I-O-N instead of I-L-L-U-S-I-O-N. Solution number two was also a visioneer cipher. This time, the keywords were cryptos and abyssisa. It was totally invisible. How's that possible? Question mark. They used the Earth's magnetic field, X. The information was gathered and transmitted underground. So instead of O-U-N-D, it was two U's, G-R-U-U-N-D. To an unknown location, X. Does Langley know about this? Question mark. They should. It's buried out there somewhere, X. Who knows the exact location? Question mark. Only WW. This was his last message, X. 38 degrees, 57 minutes, 6.5 seconds north. 77 degrees, 8 minutes, 44 seconds west. X, layer 2. Now the coordinates mentioned in the plain text are 38 degrees, 57, 6.5 north and 77 degrees, 8, 44 west have been interpreted using a modern geodetic datum as indicating to a point that is approximately 174 feet, 53 meters, southeast of the sculpture. However, the more likely datum NAD27 used for the United States Geological Survey topographic maps and the United States Army Corps of Engineers indicates a point at the cafeteria doorway. Solution of passage three. Method use, transposition. Slowly, desperately, Slowly, the remains of the passage debris that encumbered the lower part of the doorway was removed. With trembling hands, I made a tiny breach in the upper left-hand corner, and then widening the hole a little, I inserted the candle and peered in. The hot air escaping from the chamber caused the flame to flicker, but presently 
Details of the room within emerged from the mist. X. Can you see anything? Q. Question mark. Now this is a paraphrased quote quotation from Howard Carter's account of the opening of the tomb of Tutankhamun on November 26, 1922, as described in his 1923 book, The Tomb of Tutankhamun. The question with which it ends is asked by Lord Carnarvon, to which Carter, in the book, famously replied, Wonderful things. In the November 26, 1922 field notes, however, his reply was, Yes, it is wonderful. Now, there's been several clues that have been given out for Passage 4. In 2006, Sanborn commented about his error in Passage 2. He said that the answers to the first three passages contain clues to a fourth passage, and in November 2010, Sanborn released a clue, publicly stating that the NYPVTT, the 64th through 69th letters in the Passage 4, became Berlin after the, dec after the decryption. Now, Sanborn gave the New York Times another clue in November 2014. The letters M, Z, F, P, K, the 70th through 74th letters in the passage 4, became clock after decryption. The 75th letter is a K in both the plaintext and the ciphertext, meaning that it is possible for a character to encrypt itself. This means it does not have the weakness where a character could never be encrypted as itself, which is known to be inherent in the German Enigma machine. Now, Sanborn told Wired magazine that he's always been fascinated by Berlin's many clocks, but the Berlin clock in particular has intrigued him the most. The clock, also known as the Berlin Uhr, or set theory clock, was designed in the 1970s by the inventor and tinkerer Dieter Binninger. It displays the time through illuminated color blocks rather than numbers and requires the viewer to calculate the time based on a complex scheme. A yellow lamp at the top of the clock blinks every two seconds, while a row of red lamps beneath it represents five hours. Red lights on a second row denote one hour each, and time is calculated based on the number of lights illuminated. So, if in the first line two lamps are lit, and in the second line three lamps, it's 5 plus 5 plus 3 equals 13, or 1 p.m. Notes 1 Description of the Timepiece most people have no idea who Dieter is and all of the other people who make strange clocks in Berlin, Sanborn says. There's a very interesting backstory to the Berlin clock. The focus on the clock, however, may just be a bit of a sly misdirection from Sanborn. Clock could easily refer instead to a method devised by Polish mathematician and cryptologist during World War II to crack Germany's Enigma ciphers, a method that was expounded on by Alan Turing and his team at Bletchley Park, who are credited with ultimately cracking Enigma. It also may be no coincidence that Sanborn decided to release his new clue at the same exact time that The Imitation Game, a film about Turing's work on the Enigma machine, was opening in US theaters on November 28, 2014. In another article published not too long ago, in January 29, 2020, by the New York Times, Sanborn gained another clue for part four at positions 26 through 34. The ciphertext reads QQPRN. GKSS. And this instead is the word Northeast. Then, not to be outdone, in August of 2020, Sanborn revealed one more clue that the four letters in positions 22 through 25 in the ciphertext, which is F L R V, say in the plain text East. So, in other words, numbers 22 through 34 read East Northeast. 
So why have all these clues just recently been obviously released? Did, did I mention to you before that Sanborn's 74 years old? So holding on to one of the world's most enticing secrets can be pretty stressful. He's even had some would-be code breakers have appeared at his home, much like Forrest Fenn experienced with his treasure hunt. Many felt that they have solved the puzzle and wanted to check with Mr. Sanborn, sometimes forcefully, sometimes even in person. Alonka Dunan, a game developer and consultant who created an awesome website that I'll include in the show notes, said that some have even contacted her, sometimes even at her home, and are obsessed and appear to have tipped into the mental illness. I am always gentle to them and do my best to listen to them, she said. Mr. Sanborn has set up a system to allow people to check their proposed solutions without having to contact him directly. The most recent incarnation is an email-based process with a fee of $50 to submit a potential solution. He still receives regular inquiries, and so far, none have been successful. The ongoing process is exhausting, he said, adding, it's not something I thought I would be doing 30 years on. So here's the real interesting thing. Sanborn has decided that if the code is not broken when he dies, the secret will not die with him. Instead, it will be put up for public auction. Yep, you could buy the solution. He has also stated that he might even do it within his lifetime before he dies, saying, I do realize that the value of cryptos is unknown and that perhaps this concept will bear little fruit. The buyer could then reveal the secret to the world or perpetuate the mystery and maintain the system for submissions. The money raised from selling the solution, Sanborn said, would go towards funding climate science. When asked why this particular cause, he said, seemed like a no-brainer to me. We live on an island. The National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration has found that the Chesapeake Bay, where Sanborn lives, has seen some of the worst sea level rises in the country, at an average of 3.4 millimeters a year, which is about twice the global rate. However, solving the final puzzle will not be the end of the crypto's mystery. Once it's broken, the plain text will contain yet another riddle to be broken. Again, Dr. Craig Bauer, a professor of mathematics at York College of Pennsylvania and a former scholar in residence at the NSA's Center for Cryptologic History, put it this way, there will be yet another mystery that the four passages together have a meaning that's greater than their individual pieces and there's something more to figure out. The sculpture, which is more than just a copper scroll, there are scraps of Morse code scattered throughout the elements around the piece, as well as a pillar of petrified wood, a swirling pool, slabs of granite and more. The full mystery of cryptos could involve the broader assemblages of the pieces and their relationships together. This, Dr. Bauer said, is the sculpture that keeps on giving. Now, Sanborn has other related sculptures as well. Not many people know this, actually. Cryptos was the first cryptographic sculpture made by Sanborn, After producing cryptos, he went on to make several other sculptures with codes and other types of writing, including one called Antipodes, which is at the Hirshhorn Museum in Washington, D.C., an untitled crypto that was sold to a private collector, and Cyrillic Projector, which contains encrypted Russian Cyrillic text that have included an extract from a classified KGB document. The cipher on one side of Antipodes repeats the text from cryptos. Much of the cipher on Antipodes other side is a duplicated on the Kyrillic projector. The Russian portion, portion of the cipher found on Kyrillic projector and Antipodes was solved in 2003 by Frank Kaur and Mike Bales, independently from each other, with translation from Russian plain text provided by Alonka Dunin. X-Nexium was installed 
this is another piece, Ex Nexium, was installed in 1997 at Little, Rock old, at Little Rock's old U.S. Postal Service and Courthouse. Some additional sculptures by Sanborn include Native American texts. Rippo Wam was installed at the University of Connecticut in Stanford in 1999, while Lux was installed in 2001 at an old U.S. Post Office building in Fort Myers, Florida. Indian Run is located next to the U.S. Federal Courthouse in Beltsville, Maryland, and contains a bronze cylinder perforated with the text of the Iroquois Book of the Great Law. This document includes the contribution of the indigenous peoples to the United States legal system. The text is written in Onondaga and was transcribed from the ancient oral tradition of five Iroquois nations. A, A was installed at the plaza in front of the new library at the University of Houston in Houston, Texas in 2004, and Radiance was installed at the Department of Energy, Coast and Environmental, sorry, and Environment in Louisiana State University, Baton Rouge in 2008. Now, there's been many mentions of cryptos in popular culture. You might have even seen it. So just to name a few, the dust jacket of the US version of Dan Brown's 2003 novel, The Da Vinci Code, contains two references to cryptos. One on the back cover, the coordinates printed light red on dark red vertically next to the blurbs, is a reference to the coordinates mentioned in the plain text of Passage 2, except the degrees digit is off by one. When Brown and his publisher were asked about this, they both gave the same reply. This the discrepancy is intentional. The coordinates were part of the first clue of the second Da Vinci Code web quest, the first answer being cryptos. The other reference is hidden in the brown tear artwork, upside down words which say only, which say only WW knows which is another reference to the second message on cryptos. Uh, Dan Brown also wrote in his 2009 uh, book, The Lost Symbol, he also mentions cryptos as well. A small version of cryptos appears in the season five episode of Alias SOS. In it, Marshall Finkman, Flinkman, in a small moment of comic relief, says he has cracked the code just by looking at it during a tour to visit the CIA office. The solution he describes sounds like the solution to the first two parts. In Season 2 episode of The King of Queens, Meat Byproduct, a framed picture of Kryptos hangs on the wall by the door. The progressive metal band, Between the Buried and Me, has a reference to Kryptos in their song, Obsification, from their 2009 album, The Great Misdirect. In the book, Muko and the Secret, four young pupils from the class of naturals learn about the mysterious sculpture hidden in the school. This hints in the sorry the hints in the book suggest that this sculpture is actually cryptos. So I want to tell you about the cryptos, a new entry to the code bar menu. This has four main ingredients, just like there are four. So now let me talk about the new code bar cocktail called the cryptos. This has four main ingredients, just like there are four pieces to decipher with cryptos. Number one, take a Collins glass and fill it with ice. Number two, add about two ounces of Jack Daniels. Number three, add one ounce of a secret ingredient. And number four, top with Bundaberg ginger beer. One of my favorite drinks of all. You can actually get ginger beer from Cost- Bundaberg ginger beer from Costco. That's where I got mine. Now, the fourth ingredient that I talked about, or the third ingredient, is a mystery. And, uh, you know, you can add whatever you want in there. I put my own mystery ingredient in there, so I'm not going to mention it. If anybody asks really nicely, I might share it with you but it is an absolutely amazing drink. You're going to love it. Now, once again, we've come to the end of this adventure. And so for all of the information that doesn't make it into the podcast, as well as links that I mentioned in the show, as well as uh, anything else that I might've talked about, books that I might've mentioned, stuff like that, 
please do check out the show notes. Please don't forget to like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all with the handle at CodeBarLive. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and help the podcast grow by leaving a rating and review, especially on the big one, Apple Podcasts. I'll be back in about two weeks, and I know I haven't been the best with this, but I plan on trying to get back on a normal schedule. So I should be back in two weeks with another original show on another unsolved, sorry, on another solved treasure hunt, armchair treasure hunt, The Clock Without a Face, released in 2010 and written by Eli, Eli Horowitz and Mac Barnett. Until next time, everyone, keep digging.